warning, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And there can't be more good for me to offer to you today than one of the most remarkable people that I've had the pleasure of knowing for decades. Uh, He is, in my humble opinion, the Homer of America in that he weaves stories that bring history alive and make you want to know more because it's personal, it's beautiful. His name is Michael Medved, M-E-D, V as in victory, E-D, without any further ado. Please, wonderful Michael, say hello to 253,169 people throughout the world. Well, that's a terrific audience, and uh, hello to all of the 253,000 and change uh, people throughout the world. Always an honor to be talking to my old friend, Barry Shore. The only thing I would disagree with Michael on is old. We are not, sir, but neither of us. I'm not describing you as old. I'm describing (laughs) our friendship as enduring. Ah, much better. Thank you. So, Michael, if you'd be so kind, we are here. This is an epic show, and it will be listened to for decades and decades to come, God willing. It's the 2nd of July. Please tell us something about these early days of July in the early part of the American history. Well, what is amazing is the 2nd of July is a very, very important day in American history, and nobody knows it. Because on this day in 1776, the 2nd of July, not the 4th, John Adams, who had been arguing and nudging and hitting people over the head and elbowing people and making himself so obnoxious, and in fact there were several of his members of the Continental Congress that was gathered in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is hot and it's sticky in July, and so in early and through late June, he was, they were in the middle of a war. And the British were about to march on Philadelphia. They ultimately captured Philadelphia. And people are dying, and they're dying at a prodigious rate. And Adams said, look, this is an argument, not just between the parliament and the local legislatures here in North America, This is a separate nation, and we should be declaring our independence. We are no longer subjects of the king. And by the way, one of the things that was said by members of the Continental Congress was no king but Jesus. They they were, most of them, very devout Christians, very faithful Christians, and they believed in God as the author of liberty. And that was very, very important to them. In any event, on July 2nd, finally, after arguments and deals and, 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 and people really facing the fact that if they ended up losing this war and they ended up declaring independence and saying, no, we are no longer British subjects, we're no longer going to be part of Great Britain, they would be eligible for hanging. And in fact, there were British parliamentarians and British generals who had said, as soon as they capture these American rebels, they will all be hanged. So, uh, and, and this, Benjamin Franklin, who was very much there and one of the leaders at this uh, Continental Congress in 1776, he was uh, very famous for having told his colleagues, he, uh, uh, one of his colleagues, uh, I believe it was Roger Sherman of Connecticut, had said to him, uh, Dr. Franklin, uh, we shall be hanged if we move forward with this. And he says, well, we must all hang together or else we will all hang separately. 
in any event, so finally on July 2nd, they voted, and they voted state by state. They had 13 colonies there, and they voted to declare, yes, we are now going to declare independence, and they had already selected Thomas Jefferson, who was considered to be the best writer in the group, to write down the words that would declare independence. But they actually did the vote to declare independence on July 2nd. And that night, John Adams goes back to his rooming house. And he's staying in a little room. And and one of the things that people forget is at this time, of course, there's no electric lights. So he has to expend money on burning a candle. And people talk about burning the candles at both ends. And he's sitting at a tiny little desk. It's been preserved. And the candle is lit. And the candle is giving him the illumination he needs. And he writes to his wife, Abigail. He wrote to her every day. Their love story between John Adams and Abigail Adams is one of the great love stories of all time, truly, because uh, of the marriage and the children it produced and what they did for the country. But he writes... Uh, to Abigail. He says, I am apt to believe that this day, July 2nd, will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires and illuminations, meaning fireworks, from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. You may think that I am trans... Amen! (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that incredible? Now, of course, the only thing he got wrong was the date, because he said that was today, not July 4th. So why do we wait till July 4th? Because these are politicians who are gathered in Philadelphia in what is told today Independence Hall, which at the time was the State House. It was where the state legislature met in Pennsylvania because Philadelphia used to be the capital of Pennsylvania. Harrisburg bah, didn't even barely exist at the time. So it took them two days to argue about the uh, Declaration of Independence and the, the clauses in the Declaration of Independence uh, and, and uh, to refine it and to change it, uh, to make, put it in the form it is now. And finally, when they finished that and they all were able to get a copy of the document and sign it, that was the, the 4th of July. And by the way, some of the changes that they made uh, were very important. People, people say often that the Declaration of Independence may be the greatest work ever designed by a committee. <laughs> and, <laughs> you mean it's, it's not an elephant? That's what you're telling us, right? No, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, most things in the world that are worthwhile are designed by either by God or by one person. Uh, the Declaration of Independence was definitely a committee work there were five people who were appointed to the committee for the drafting. Thomas Jefferson was going to be the main writer. John Adams, of course, was going to be part of the committee. Benjamin Franklin, and then this crotchety old shoemaker who ended up playing a very important role in the Constitution as well. The Constitution is 11 years later. And his name was Roger Sherman from New Haven, Connecticut. He had a little shoe shop right across from the Yale campus. And uh, in any event, uh, that committee, 
And Robert Livingston of New York was the fifth member of the committee who later played a crucial role in the Louisiana Purchase. But uh, this is the entire story, when you think about it, and you think about the consequence of what these men did, and yes, they, they were all men. They had wives back home that they cared about and wrote to, like Abigail Adams. But at the time, no, there were no female members of the Continental Congress. But they were a remarkable group of people, and what they achieved continues to bless our lives to this day. That is so wonderfully said at the end. We're going to go to a break in just a couple of minutes, but I want to emphasize something you just brought out. The correspondence, not just with John Adams and Abigail, which of course is legendary and there's great books written about it and such, and since I was raised in Boston, I was um, merited to be able to go to Quincy and and, and see the the actual places where they lived, but they weren't alone in that. And the, the women were not just women, they were highly influential because it was an exchange of ideas between two loving people. And the women were, I think, an anchor and and it allowed the men to do what they had to do, which is like you said, put their lives at risk. Yeah. And and by the way, one of the things people talk about is uh, people know all sorts of things about Thomas Jefferson that make him sound like a terrible husband. Um, he wasn't. Uh, his wife died, and and one of the tragic things, his wife Martha, who he adored, and the, the letters are extremely intimate. They're very sexy. He he was completely obsessed with his wife Martha, and uh, Martha Wales Skelton Jefferson. She died uh, when when Thomas Jefferson was thirty two. I believe she was twenty nine. And leaving behind two little girls for Jefferson to raise. And her last words to to Thomas, grabbing both his hands, was asking him to promise never to remarry. And if you think about what that would mean to a young man and to a healthy young man, this was one of the most difficult things in Jefferson's life because, of course, he believed above everything he had to keep his promise uh, to his departed wife. But he ended up with many, many more years of life after her death. Jefferson was 83 when he died. So he lived 51 years as a widower. And it was during that time that he, at least according to some historians, I would, I'm not sure about this. No one should be sure about it. But it is possible that he had a relationship with one of his slaves, that he owned many slaves. Uh, and he was a terrible financial manager, by the way. But Sally Hemings is the name that people know. Uh, but more important, I think, let's go back to your point of keeping one's promise. And the promise that these remarkable beings made on that great day of the 2nd of July and stretching to the 4th resonates with us today and animates the world. And just as a point that Michael will bring out later, it's, it so brings me tingles that Thomas Jefferson, as we all, I think, People should know, but not everybody does, passed away on July 4th at the age of 83 and the same day as John Adams passed away. And so with this amazing being, a Michael Medved, giving us intimate details of people that influence our very lives to this moment, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to see you back here in just a couple of minutes. You don't want to go away because this is riveting. Get ready for more. See you in just a bit. Back to the joy of living.
Good morning, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. We are truly blessed on this 2nd of July in the year 2019, according to some calendars, to have with us amazing Michael Medved, M-E-D, V as in victory, E-D. And I urge everybody to go to his website, michaelmedved.com, sign up for his newsletter, get everything you can from this amazing resource, this powerful, purposeful, wondrous being. Now, we left our intrepid heroes back in July 4th, 1776. We're going to fast forward a half a century, 50 years. Michael, take us, please, to 1826, July 4th, and let us feel something in the history of America. Well, you bet, because one of the things that, uh, again, you can't emphasize enough, because it's really as important, is most of the people who founded this country were obsessed with God. They, they were trying to get to know God better. And this very much includes Thomas Jefferson, who was not a conventional Christian at all. He didn't believe in the Trinity. He, uh, but he, I mean, he was very concerned with God's will and understanding God. And by, when he was president of the United States, and he was the third president between, from 1801 until 1809, he actually conducted Sunday services at the Capitol building. Uh, they didn't have the uh, ACLU then. Uh, otherwise, I'm sure President Jefferson would have been sued for that. <laughs> but um, here's the story. Jefferson and Adams, who are both the two most instrumental people in the Declaration of Independence, uh, both become presidents of the United States, both become vice presidents and presidents. And, in fact, Jefferson beats Adams for the presidency in 1800 in a nasty campaign. Their friendship fell apart, and then it came back together after they were both retired from the White House, and America grows. During the first 50 years, the population of America more than quadrupled. Uh, the land area uh, increased by uh, three times. Uh, no, it was actually much more than that. It would have right, been the Louisiana five or Purchase. Six times. Yeah, much more. Correct, because the Louisiana Purchase happened already under Jefferson. So ba- basically, the country is growing. Their dream appears to be realized. And Americans on the Liberty Bell, which uh, indeed was part of, uh, was rung to declare to show the independence from Independence Hall. You can still go see it at the Independence Hall National Park. The Liberty Bell has an inscription on it, and uh, you will know immediately, Barry, because you're a student of the Bible, uh, the Liberty Bell has on it the following inscription, Proclaim liberty throughout the land and to, to all, all the inhabitants the thereof. thereof. Ah. Yeah, ah. and which is a, from the book of Leviticus, but it concerns the Jubilee year. Now, what's the Jubilee year? Jubilee year in the Bible is the 50th year, and in that 50th year, you are supposed to have a a great celebration, but all debts are forgiven, all slaves are released. Uh, it's, It's considered to be a great festival of freedom. And so the American founders, including President John Quincy Adams, who just coincidentally had been elected president of the United States in 1824. In 1826, for the Jubilee year, 
they're going to have a very serious celebration because the Jubilee is a big deal. It's written about right on the Liberty Bell itself. And here's the amazing thing, is what are the odds the two people who most deserved honor for the Declaration of Independence are still alive? Uh, President John Adams is 90. He was the only president, he he was the oldest president uh, in terms of his life, lifespan, that we had before, uh, it's actually Reagan, Ford, and now Jimmy Carter and President Bush. We have a lot of modern presidents who've lived more than 90. There, there were none. It was only John Adams and Herbert Hoover until the 21st century who had reached that age. So he's 90 years old, and Jefferson is 83, and they're both alive, and they both have their wits about them. So they invite these two men down to Washington, D.C., Uh, But the travel is arduous, and Jefferson lives in the hills of Virginia. Adams lives in, uh, his home was called Peacefield, which was in Quincy, Massachusetts, as you described before, Barry. And um, so they both sent in statements, and the statements are deeply moving. And one of the things that people were going to celebrate was the, um, uh, the, 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 the very idea that these two great men who had done so much for independence, both had survived. And uh, so John Adams, 90 years old, he couldn't even make it to the town green for their fireworks display. But he asked his, uh, his friends who were with him to, Abigail had died, she was buried in the, in the backyard, basically. But they, he asked to be carried uh, up to the upstairs bedroom so he could see from the upstairs room the fireworks in the town square. And he watched the fireworks, and he enjoyed them. And then afterward, right when the fireworks were done, there's this tremendous rainstorm that started. And uh, apparently Adams described it with thunder as the artillery of heaven. And there was lightning, and there was thunder, and then he was not feeling well, and he went into his bed. And uh, his last words as he died on the 4th of July, were liberty is safe, Jefferson still lives. He didn't know that five hours before, down in the hills of Virginia, a Thomas Jefferson had died as well. This is the only occasion in the whole history of this country. We've had 45 presidents. They are the only two presidents who've actually died on the same day. And interestingly... The only other president who also died on the 4th of July died five years later on the 4th of July in 1831. That was uh, James Madison. Uh, pardon me, James uh, Monroe, who had been the fifth president of the United States. But uh, the, the odds against two presidents dying on the same day are enormous. The odds against that day being the 4th of July are even more staggering. And... The, the odds of this happening on the 50th anniversary of the Republic are infinitesimally small. In other words, for people who calculate these things, this would be the equivalent, if you're playing poker, of drawing a royal flush seven hands in a row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which it would be. But, but speaking of this, let's call this miraculous. Because Correct, no and, and they that... did. I, my, my book, The American Miracle, uh, that's what I want begins, to hear. Yes. begins with this story. 
And uh, the American miracle begins with this story, and it begins with a great oration given by another great American, Daniel Webster, who comes to Faneuil Hall in Boston, a place you know well, and speaks to a turnaround crowd who is sobbing about uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson going up into heaven and how this was a sign from God Almighty of approbation for the American experiment, that on the 50th anniversary, the very day of their great achievement, these two incomparably great human beings are, are, are taken up to their eternal reward. And uh, the, here's the fascinating thing. At the time, people heard Daniel Webster's oration they published the text of it. He spoke for two and a half hours, so it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a long speech. Uh, and uh, they published the text of Daniel Webster's speech at Faneuil Hall in honor of Jefferson and Adams. It became a huge bestseller. And for years, children would memorize passages from it in school. And uh, because this seemed to early Americans such a clear sign and for me, knowing this story and cherishing this story and telling this story in American Miracle, and American Miracle has 12 different stories that indicate that America is no accident. Uh, people argue about the origins of life, whether it's intelligent design or just random evolution. Uh, with, a, with America, there is no question that America is no accident. It could not be random evolution it very clearly is intelligent design. Now, people would say, yeah, that's right, intelligent design by Adams and Jefferson and Franklin and Washington and Hamilton and Madison. Uh, no, it's intelligent design. They all believed by somebody or some being even bigger than them. And that's part of the miraculous nature of our great country, as you have wanted to say, and I love hearing, I will ask you at the end of the show to say it, the greatest nation on God's green earth, because they were inspired to understand that they could be great beings, but they're great because it's the good Lord has given them that ability to think and to do and to live and to grow something that literally transcended them. So, Michael, just we have a minute to the break. You have a book called The American Miracle. It is not only a bestseller, it is a, a, a must read because it touches the very heart and mind. Tell us what you're doing now and then we'll come back from the break and you'll tell us a little bit more about the book that you're currently writing. Sure. Um, uh, the American Miracle follows, it, it actually begins with the story of the first Thanksgiving and uh, the pilgrims who were not supposed to land in Massachusetts at all. And it begins with that fascinating story and runs through till the death of Abraham Lincoln, which led many people to question the idea of America as a blessed country. If America is a blessed country, why should this great and good man literally on Good Friday, be shot in the head and murdered uh, a week after the Palm Sunday when uh, the South su finally surrendered. And, okay, so... Well, on that new note, on that note, we're going to... It's a cliffhanger. Edge of your seat. We're going to go to a 
beautiful commercial break because that's what makes everything work here. This is America. And we'll be back. And wonderful Michael will tell us more about the next phase of the American dream and the American miracle. Don't go away. See you in just a bit. Hi, everybody. Skillshare, S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E, Skillshare is an online learning community for creative people. With more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more, you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and your career. You can take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, even illustration. Whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side situation, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare with a special offer just for my listeners. You get two months of Skillshare for free F-R-E-E, free. That's right, Skillshare is offering the joy of living listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash the joy of living. Again, go to Skillshare.com dot com slash the joy of living to start your two months now i do it you should it's great bye would you like to donate to your favorite cause without costing you a penny of course you would delighted.com is the one place where you can learn how to shop your favorite brands and give money to your favorite cause at the same time please go to delighted.com that's d-l-y-t-e-d.com Your favorite brands and causes have paired up with Delighted.com. Get electronic gift cards in seconds. Have a night out, travel, or just make your everyday purchases. And remember, you are giving to your favorite cause without spending a thing. It's easy and good. D-L-Y-T-E-D.com. Enjoy. There's nothing better than spreading joy, happiness, peace, and love. And now you can do so by giving Keep Smiling cards. The Daily Smile mission is to promote joy, happiness, peace, and love to all. Help the world to reach the goal of 10 million Keep Smiling cards in circulation by 2020. The best part is that the Keep Smiling cards cost you nothing. All you pay is the postage cost. Go to thedailysmile.com and order your card. Join the Keep Smiling movement right now. Visit thedailysmile.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to The Joy of Living with Barry Shore. To participate in today's program, we invite you to call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Barry at barryshore.com. Now, back to The Joy of Living. Good 
warning, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good-looking people. And remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. And there ain't more gooder in the world than talking about America. And there's nobody that I know that can speak better about America and its greatness and what it does, not just for the people living here on our soil, but everywhere throughout the world, because we are an idea. Michael Medved, M-E-D, V as in victory, E-D is with us, and he's been regaling us with wondrous insights into the personalities and the ideas of America. He's going to tell us about his new, his latest book. The first one was American Miracle, and his latest book, which he finished just about a few hours ago, is called Is God's Hand on America? Michael, please welcome back and tell us more about this upcoming volume. Sure. Uh, the American Miracle, uh, which uh, came out in 2017, uh, the subtitle is Divine Providence in the Modern Era. Uh, pardon me, the D- Divine Providence and in the Rise of the Republic. And the new book, which is called God's Hand on America, no question mark, God's Hand on America, and the subtitle is Divine Providence in the Modern Era. So... Uh, God's uh, God's hand on America actually follows the uh, the path of American miracle and covers the period of time from uh, Lincoln's assassination to the present day, and uh, it 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 features things that that are truly inexplicable. I, I I noticed that at the same time my new book is coming out, there's a film coming out called Midway. And for people who know something about World War II history, there simply is no rational way to explain the, the Battle of Midway. Uh, for instance, all of the books that are written about Midway, um, the Battle of Midway is the decisive battle of World War II, which completely reversed the direction of the war. And uh, the books about the Battle of Midway are called Miracle at Midway by Gordon Prang, there's a Walter Lord book, which is called Incredible Victory. There's another book called God Was at Midway. And here's, here's what happened. The American fleet was terribly outnumbered because most of our ships had been sunk in Pearl Harbor. And uh, what, what happened at Midway was we had a, a, a very sort of slapped together, haphazardly repaired, badly damaged aircraft carrier, the Yorktown, which had been damaged very severely at the Battle of the Coral Sea. And the Japanese assumed that it could not function. And the Japanese had uh, a, a total of six carriers and the largest fleet at the time ever assembled. In fact, it's still the largest fleet ever assembled. And uh, they are steaming uh, to capture Midway Islands, which are midway between Asia and the Pacific. And then their plan is to go on to Hawaii, and uh, and to uh, to California at the same time. By the way, they're attacking Midway. They're also attacking Alaska. But the point being that everything changed in five minutes. And in five minutes, planes from three different aircraft carriers, uh, the Hornet and the Enterprise and the Yorktown, uh, ended up sort of finding each other over open ocean and then finding the Japanese fleet and then dive-bombing in unison. And they sank, ended up sinking every one of the Japanese carriers with these incredibly, inexplicably lucky 
hits uh, in, in the course of five minutes. And, and by the way, one of the things that's it's an unbelievable, no one knows this story, and it's one of those things that I'm very excited to bring out in my book. One of the people who witnessed this and wrote about it and found it completely unbelievable um, is, was a guy named Matsuo Fushida, you, who nobody's ever heard of. He was the lead pilot at Pearl Harbor. He was a Japanese hero who had done, he was the one who actually said, Torah, 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 let's go, we're going to fly, we're going to attack Pearl Harbor. He had met with Emperor Hirohito. He was considered to be a great Japanese war hero. He was injured at Midway. He couldn't fly because he had just had appendicitis. But he survived with a bad injury. But he was so convinced that what he saw at Midway was irrational. After the war, he had a religious conversion. And he became a great lover of America and a Christian and appeared many times with Billy Graham. And he wrote his own story, which is called God's Samurai. And <laughs> what a great title, right? Yeah, it's a fantastic title. Book's way out of print. But I tell uh, the story of Mitsuo Fushida, God's Samurai, in, uh, in God's Hand on America. Okay, we're going to have to, I'm, only because there is such a thing as a clock and time, and, and I I'm literally want to ring out more from Michael because, again, there's nobody better. By the way, just as a point of interest, you see the carrier we had at Midway was the Yorktown. I mean, how wondrous is that in terms of American history because that's the final <laughs> surrender of the British to America. So it, it, we, tingle, we tingle when we think about what our country is, what it stands for, who we are as a as an idea, as an ideal. And you see it happening right now on this very day in a place called Hong Kong, a tiny, tiny speck compared to the great landmass called China. And people are revolting against the idea of having their liberty taken away from them, much like with us. So in just literally 48 seconds, if you'd be so kind, Michael, just comment on that and what it is that America has brought to the world through the ideas of liberty truth, justice, and the pursuit of happiness? Well, the main thing that America has brought on the world is that we are not subjects. And this is something that I, I, I sort of I realized recently, relatively recently, is if you are British, you're not a British citizen. You're a British subject. You're the subject of the queen. And part of the importance in all of this is um, Jefferson wrote in a letter, and it's a, it's a beautiful phrase. He said, the God who gave us life, gave us liberty at the same time. And the idea that we belong only to God, that we are not owned by a king or by a duke or by a lord or by a powerful corporation, that we are independent, uh, that, that is a, actually the independence that we have to celebrate above all on this Independence Day. On that remarkable note, joy, happiness, peace, and love to all independent, loving, free people. It's what you think about, what you act upon. Remember, smile, see miracles in life every day. WWW, what a wonderful world. Tell your friends, F you, F-U-N-N, because when you're doing that with purpose, 
you become powerful. And when you do that, you're spreading the word of the good Lord and making a difference in the world. Go mad, everybody. Go make a difference. Because when you do that, you are living the best possible life and you are living with joy daily. So our prayer to you is go forth. Live the blessing. Spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Bye now, and a huge thank you to Michael Medved, M-E-D, V as in Victor, E-D, the greatest, representing the greatest nation on God's green earth. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Joy of Living. Please join Barry Shore for another edition of the program next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And as Barry says, give me five. Share this show with five people you love. Bring joy into your heart and love unto others. And we'll see you here next week.